0: Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings. How are you doing today? Okay, so folks, you know, I'm always saying you're supposed to say that you're fabulous. And because if you say it, you'll actually believe it but i am actually fabulous. So i was listed by JobScan as a top 10 job search podcast last week. So i am like over the moon excited about that. So if you are loving this podcast, now it's we're getting recognition. I've got a lot more new listeners. People are paying attention to this podcast. So tell your friends. If you're loving the content on here then what the heck, don't keep it to yourself. Tell some friends. So I got a new client uh, a week or so ago uh, who just wanted some job search uh, or some interview coaching, and I asked her how she found out about me, and she said from my podcast that she really likes the content here, and um, she finds a lot of the job search and kind of career management podcasts a little bit dense and difficult to understand, and she really liked the way I describe stuff. So good on me, first of all. I'm giving myself a pat on the back, but also, hey, share the wealth. Tell folks. So uh, um, yay, Top 10 podcast. All right, so today, for this episode, we're going to talk about identifying your leadership style. So this whole quarter, we're talking about different leadership topics coming at it from different angles. And so today, I want to come at this topic of leadership style from a few different angles and give you a couple of kinds of ways of thinking about it. So first of all, I want to define leadership style, right? So leadership is a noun, and it's defined as follows. The position or function of a leader, a person who guides or directs a group, like he managed to maintain his leadership of the party despite heavy opposition, or the ability to lead. As early as sixth grade, she displayed remarkable leadership potential, um, or an act or instance of leading guidance or direction, such as they prospered under his strong leadership, or the leaders of a group. The union leadership agreed to arbitrate. So that's leadership. Now let's define style. So dictionary.com says style is a particular distinctive or characteristic mode of action or manner of acting. So if you put those two together, leadership style, what you get is the ability to lead with a particular distinctive or characteristic manner of acting. So with, with that in mind, we want to talk about some of the universal aspects of leadership. So, I pulled a couple from a couple of sites what their take, and they, interestingly enough, they were very different takes on kind of the characteristics of a leader. And so, what I'm saying with these, and what I think these authors were saying, is that no matter your personality, the industry that you're in, your educational or work experience background, or the audience to whom you are leading, you know, whether you are communicating or, or disciplining or hiring or whatever, true leaders are going to show up in certain kind of consistent ways. And I want to emphasize here that I, when I think of leadership, although one of those definitions of leader, it was talking about a, a, a person who, uh, the the position or function of a leader. So they were recognizing that leadership can be positional, but the way that I want to talk about it today with you is attitudinal. So what I mean by that is that you may not yet have a position of leadership where you're actually managing, leading the work of other people that does not mean that you cannot be a leader. And in fact, what I'm hoping you're going to get from everything I'm doing this quarter is how to show up as a leader so that you will be put in leadership positions. Because the attitudinal piece in good organizations, the attitudinal piece needs to come before the positional piece. In other words, they're not going to give you a chance to have a position as a leader if you haven't displayed the attitude, the behaviors, the Um, the, the skill set of a leader first. So here are seven common traits of leaders according to Entrepreneur Magazine. So number one, we've got self-control, the ability to sort of manage your own, um, your own emotions, your own behaviors. Number 2 stay clear of drama so um they're saying that a leader is someone who does not engage in you know office gossip doesn't engage in any of the drama and whether that drama is gossip or whether that drama is hyper reacting to something that happens in the office they're also saying that a leader is a seeker of truth so kind of as as the counterpart to the drama the leader is going to cut through the, any drama to find out what's the actual truth in the situation. Number four, a leader is going to place courage over fear. So, what I think is beautiful about that—it's not saying that they are that they are fearless, but they are simply willing to acknowledge their fear and choose their own courage over that fear. Number five, they have empathy towards themselves and others so they they are kind to themselves and understanding of their own shortcomings and their own failures and mistakes as well as those of others number 6 there's self-aware they know what their strengths are and they also know what their weaknesses are and they have a plan for managing both of those things and then finally they maintain and nurture their reputation so they are aware of their positional leadership and their attitudinal leadership, and they kind of protect that and kind of nurture it um, in within the organization. So those were the ones by Entrepreneur Magazine. Forbes Magazine adds the following, and there were some duplications, very few actually, but these are fresh ones that weren't uh, in the Entrepreneur article. So they are self-managing. So a true leader kind of a little bit like the self-control piece, they are able to manage their own work schedule, their own um, priorities, their own initiatives, their own goals. They act strategically. And that's a word that I think I'll say over and over again as I do this podcast. And I certainly have talked about strategy before in this podcast. So that ability to think strategically, think Um, analytically and making decisions not based on kind of what feels good in the moment but what makes sense from a strategic standpoint. They're also an effective communicator so true leaders have got to be able to communicate and I will argue that it needs to be verbal and in writing Um, and we've all had experience with leaders who don't have good one or the other either verbal or written communication skills but ideally a leader has effective communication skills in both leaders are accountable and responsible so they hold themselves to a very high standard they take responsibility for their actions they take when they make a mistake they own up to it and they also take they take the credit when credit is due they also set clear goals and persist in achieving them so again goal orientation is very important for a true leader. And I love the part about persisting and achieving them because it doesn't do any good to set a goal and then give up on that goal the first time you hit a a roadblock. Also, they talk about having a vision for the future. So it's that wonderful kind of combination of I can see the big picture, I uh, I can engage a group, a team with my vision, and at the same time, I can also behave strategically to make sure that that vision comes to pass because a vision without strategy isn't going to happen. And a strategy without a vision is kind of going nowhere. So having those two things is so important. They also talk in this uh, article in in Forbes about the ability for leaders to manage complexity. And I think that is, that's one that I certainly hear a lot from my uh, kind of mid and upper level clients is the pace of work, the pace of business is so fast today. That true leaders can manage the complexity of that and the interrelationship between, you know, different departments and different um, different branches of the organization and, and those kinds of things. Another thing they talk about is fostering creativity and innovation, and I love that because I think a true leader, and that's going to vary from industry to industry. What does creativity look like in your industry? What is innovation looking like in your industry? But there does need to be that because that's what takes the organization to the next level. It's that creativity and that innovation that allows the company to see around corners to kind of what's the next best thing and how are we going to compete in this, you know, fat, rapidly changing marketplace. They also talk about team building and promoting teamwork. So a true leader is going to be a team builder. They're going to be fostering those, those team relationships And they're going to encourage the people in their organization to work as a team. They also talk about creating lasting relationships. So whether that is with coworkers, peers, people across the organization, people in um, other companies, outside uh, vendors, whatever it is, true leaders are able to create mutually beneficial relationships where, um, as I say, mutually beneficial. So it's, it's, it's helping both sides equally. And then finally, learning agility, and I really liked this one. It's the notion that contrary to what you may think, college, finishing your degree is not the end of learning, but really the beginning of it. And so they understand that to manage that complexity of the rapidly changing workplace and the, the rapidly changing industry that they're in, they have to be agile in terms of their learning. They have to be continuously learning. So based on those two publications, I came up with kind of four points for the common traits of leaders. Number one, they have their own house in order. So they're very self-aware, they have self-control, they manage themselves efficiently. Really has to start with that before you can lead other people and you know, initiative vision, you have to take care of your own house first. They're accountable for their own actions and they hold themselves to a very high standard, much higher than anyone else would be would hold them to or that other people will hold themselves to. So they have their own house in order. The second thing I picked up from those two lists was that they treat others with respect. You know, leaders who are undermine the work of others, don't respect others, don't appreciate the work of others. They don't last very long. And I will argue that while they may be positional leaders, they are not attitudinal leaders. So true leaders are going to avoid gossip. They're going to show empathy towards other people. They're going to create strong, mutually beneficial relationships in all kinds of uh, kind of ways within and with outside the organization. So they treat others with respect. Number three they create a positive working environment. So by communicating effectively, communicating uh, frequently, setting very clear goals, creating and disseminating a vision for the organization, facilitating creativity, promoting teamwork, they are creating a positive working environment, a place that people want to be at, they are engaged in working at, they're putting forth their best effort on a daily basis in this organization. And then finally, leaders are brave, so they don't let fear stop them from moving forward. As I said earlier, it doesn't mean they're fearless, because I think fearless doesn't really exist. That's That's a misnomer. But they are willing to work through their fears to move forward. They're strategic. They flourish in the complexity and kind of ambiguity of a business environment, and they are continually learning. So they have their own house in order. They treat others with respect. They create a positive working environment and they're brave. So now with all of that information, let's drill down on your leadership style. So I want you to think of this as kind of how do these things play out and and do they play out in in you? So we've come up with some, some consistent kind of themes for leaders, but the way that those things will manifest themselves will vary from leader to leader. So I want to start with, because I'm a master practitioner of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, or MBTI, which is the world's most widely used personality inventory. So I want to start with a little bit of thought around this. Now, there are 16 personality types in the Myers-Briggs, and um, most of you listening to this will not probably know what your MBTI type is. And of course, if you want to know what that is, you want to take an official MBTI assessment preferably with a trained practitioner like myself who can interpret those results for you. This is a psychological tool. So there are a lot of knockoffs that you can take online, get your results, and you're kind of done. And I always think of those as kind of being like the cosmopolitan test version of the real thing. I'm suggesting that you might want to take the actual test, which has, I think, 168 questions on it. So let's just talk about the preference pairs and kind of what that might look like in terms of leadership. So the first preference pair of the Myers-Briggs is extroversion versus introversion, and that has to do with where you get your energy. So extroverts get their energy from outside themselves by people and activities and things going on around them, whereas introverts get their energy from kind of being by themselves, recharging their battery by being alone with their thoughts. So in general, introverts are going to be quieter leaders more difficult to get to know. Uh, introverts are often described as a closed book, so they really have to have a pretty strong level of trust with an individual before they will open up and share their their themselves, their true self with another person. And they will often introverts will often bring forth fully formed plans. So they're going to give a lot of thought to something before they're willing to put it out on the table. As a, as a possibility, and it will be pretty well formed when they put it out. Now, in general, extroverts are going to be more talkative. They're going to be easier to get to know more, like an open book, and they will often throw ideas out that they've just thought out. and, and a, a, An example of this is when I first went to the last university that I worked at, Truman State University. I remember we were, we were undergoing a massive turnaround of this, of this office. It was the career center at the university. And I, if I had a nickel for every time I said to my team, I'm not married to this idea, I would throw an idea out there. And I learned very quickly that I had some introverts on my team and they took my, you know, off the cuff idea, or maybe I thought of it for five minutes before the meeting and they took it as this is what we're going to do. And so I kept using the phrase, I'm not married to this idea to kind of instill the idea that this was just a thought that I had. And, you know, what do you think about this idea? So that's extroversion versus introversion. So think about, you know, kind of where you get your energy. Again, you're not going to necessarily know your personality type unless you take the test but this gets you thinking about that. So the next preference pair in the Myers-Briggs is the sensing versus intuition, which has to do with how you take in information, how you process information. So sensors take in information by the way of the five senses, so what they can see, taste, touch, hear, and smell, whereas intuitives take in information by the way of their sixth sense, which is their intuition. So in general, sensors are going to be slower to change Um, In in organizations. So they're not going to necessarily be as agile as a a change agent. You don't typically think of a sensor as being a change agent. And they will typically lead by specifics. And what I mean by that is sensor leaders will give a great deal of information. They'll have a very specific plan for something to proceed, and they're going to share those details in detail with the team. In general, intuitives, are they love change. So they are the change agents, and you often see them at the helm of organizations that are moving rapidly and changing rapidly. And they will often lead by inspiration. So what I mean by that is they're going to lay out the vision. Here's where I want to go. Here's, you know, point Z, but they may not really lay out how are we going to get to point Z. They may more may be more open to allowing the team to kind of figure out how to get there. So that's sensing versus intuition. Um, I a story about this to kind of give you an idea is that um, when I went through my initial Myers-Briggs training, I was with a, a colleague and her name was Stephanie. And Stephanie had this aha moment in the middle of the training and she was an extrovert. So she jumped up, shared her, her uh, inspiration, her idea with the whole group. And what she realized was she had been an academic advisor and When she, she was an intuitive. So she was a big picture thinker, liked to draw kind of word pictures, kind of set a vision for the students. And she would have students who were in academic kind of um, crisis, right? They were about to get flunked out of the university and they'd come into her office and she would talk to them about building a bridge to success and building a bridge to her future, to their future. And she she realized in that moment of when we were in the training that there were a whole lot of students coming in her office. She'd always noticed that some of them just looked at her like they didn't know what she was talking about. And she finally made the connection that the reason was they were very concrete thinkers those sensors that were coming into her office and she's talking about a bridge and they're like, what bridge are we talking about? There's no water in here. I don't see a bridge. So they were really taking what she was saying literally when she was meaning it figuratively. So there really was a disconnect in the language there. So the next preference pair is thinking versus feeling, which has to do with how you make decisions. So thinkers are going to make their decisions using their heads. So cool, impersonal logic and reason. Feelers are going to make their decisions with their heart, so they're going to be kind of subjective and and consider values and morals. In general, thinking leaders are going to stick to the rules no matter what. They can come across as kind of critical because that's how they um, come to the truth. They don't care whether it hurts your feelings. They're going to be brutally honest. In general, feelers are going to consider the circumstances when they make a decision, so they may bend the rules depending on circumstances. Feelers are going to want to create a sense of camaraderie and be kind to their employees, but they may not be as honest with employees about what their weaknesses are and what they need to do to improve. So I um, my, my favorite example about the difference in thinking and feeling. So I was on the board of the Rotary Club in the town that I lived in when I worked at Truman State University. And the president of the club at that time. So I don't know what my what my office was at the time, but the president was a woman, and she was a friend of mine outside of Rotary. Her name was Diana, and we were going to plan the first ever couples Valentine's Day party for the members. And one of the guys on the um, on the board was this um, salty older gentleman who ran the plant in town there was an oscar meyer plant in town and he ran it and um he was clearly a thinker diane and i were clearly a feeler so we were sharing with the board you know here's what we want to do we were talking about the decorations and the theme and the invitations and the entertainment and the food and the location and all this stuff and this guy, Hal, he pipes up with, he had he was from the Northeast. He goes, what's the bottom line? And, and I, it, it just struck me so funny that he, even in this environment of planning a Valentine's Day for the couples in the club, he wanted to know what, he, he was like, uh, he was such a bottom line guy. He was making the decision with his head and he did not care about how cute the invitations were or what color the decorations were. He just wanted to know what was the bottom line. So that's thinking versus feeling. And then finally, the final preference pair is judging versus perceiving. So this has to do with how you organize your environment. So judges want to maintain structure and organization, whereas perceivers want to maintain openness and flexibility and be spontaneous. So in general, judging leaders will create deadlines and then stick to the schedule. They want to finish far in advance of the deadline and um, are very kind of list-driven and to-do list-driven. In general, perceiving leaders are going to wait until the last minute to get something done. They prefer to be much more loosey-goosey about the scheduling, and they may have a messy kind of work environment. And I remember when I was managing the office at Truman State University, I had given a big project to my team, and I had one perceiver on the team. He was a a guy named Joe, and I had everybody else was, was a judger. And I knew, this was, the, this was before I knew personality type. That's my disclaimer for being so bad about this. But I knew that Joe wasn't moving on his project at all. Joe was not making any progress. And so I intentionally at our weekly meetings, I would say, okay, tell me what progress you've made. And going around the room and having everybody report out, knowing that Joe hadn't done anything and wanting to kind of call him out on that. And I can now look back at that and realize that A... That was not going to get any more work out of Joe. It wasn't going to spur him on because he did his best work at the last minute, but it also frustrated him because I'm sure he recognized what I was doing, that I was pulling him out and calling him out for not getting his, you know, making progress on his project. So one thing I want to offer you is that if you know your personality type, so that's number one, you have to already have taken this assessment and know your type. And if you would like a copy of my leadership and type handout, just email me and I'll be glad to send you a copy. My email address is lesa at exclusivecareercoaching.com and it's got a type table with all 16 types and it talks about the strengths and the areas for improvement for each of those types as it relates to leadership. All right. So that's a little bit about leadership as it relates to personality. So if you can kind of think about where you fall there and kind of get a sense of what might be my strengths and what might be my areas for improvement within my personality type. Now I want to talk about in the context of the lists. So kind of my synthesis of the entrepreneur magazine and Forbes list. So I've got some questions for you. These are going to be um, on, the, on the show notes. And so if you don't, you know, have the ability to write them down because you're driving right now or whatever, um, you know, no recs allowed. But I do think it's useful to ask these questions. The other thing you can do if you have the ability to stop and start your podcast, um, if, you're, if you can do that, you know, you can kind of stop and answer them as we go. So the first one that I mentioned, kind of that category, was about having their own house in order. So here are three questions to ask yourself, and these are all going to be on a scale of one to ten. So on this one, we've got on a scale of one to ten, with ten being perfect, how well do I take constructive feedback, and what can I do to move that needle? So where are you, scale of one to ten? And I will tell you honestly, this is this was a big one for me, because I um, I have a preference for feeling. I make my decisions with my heart. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I've had to get much tougher. Not that I don't still, you know, empathize with people, but I've had to have had to put a tougher shell on. So the constructive feedback one has always been a weakness for me both in terms of getting it and giving it to others. So the question again is on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being perfect, how well do I take constructive criticism and what can I do to move the needle? Second question on a scale of one to 10, how well do I manage my own schedule? Do I plan my days out and achieve the goals for that day? Or do I allow outside influences to, to, set priorities for me? What can I do to move that needle? I was listening to a podcast, um, and I can't remember the name of it right now. I'd share it with you, but it was a specific episode that was recommended to me and the guy kind of the post, the, um, the, the postulation, I guess is the right word for his book, the, the, the supposition of his book, was that if you don't set your own priorities, someone else will. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do I manage my own schedule? Do I plan my days out and achieve the goals for that day, or do I allow outside influences to set priorities for me? What can I do to move that needle? And then the third question On a scale of one to 10, how self-controlled am I in the face of emergencies, conflict, or everyday frustrations? What can I do to move that needle? So how self-controlled am I in the face of emergencies, conflict, or just kind of everyday inherent frustrations? All right, so that has to do with having your own house in order. The next one has to do with how you treat others. So number one question, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being complete avoidance, how well do I avoid gossip? What can I do to move that needle? So am I, you know, am I right in the middle of it every chance I get, um, or do I avoid it like the plague? And what can I do to move that needle? Next one, on a scale of one to ten, how empathetic am I? What can I do to move that needle? How empathetic am I? And you know, if you think back to some of the personality stuff that I talked about earlier. Um, you know, empathy is going to come more naturally for certain personality types than others, just as the, the one I talked about kind of being organized and being structured with your schedule. It's going to be more natural to some than others. So it may be more of a learning curve for you. You may have to kind of overcome your, your personality preference, but these are so important that you do if you want to truly be a leader. All right. And then the final question in that category on a scale of one to ten, how good am I at building professional relationships and what can I do to move that needle so how strong am I at building these kind of mutual, mutually beneficial, long-lasting relationships? All right, the next one is they create a positive working environment. That was that third kind of synthesis. So number one, on a scale of one to ten, how effective am I at communicating in professional settings? What can I do to move that needle? So how do I speak up when I want to? Do I present myself well? I'm going to be doing a uh, an episode in a couple of weeks, it's going to be about kind of your spoken word and how to speak like a leader. So how effective am I at communicating in professional settings and what can I do to move that needle? Number two, on a scale of one to ten, how effective am I at fostering creativity in others? And what can I do to move that needle? And creativity is certainly something that is industry specific. Um, creativity is important in any industry in any field, but it just takes very different forms depending on where you work and, and the kind of company, the kind of industry. And then finally, on a scale of one to 10, how well do I promote teamwork and what can I do to move that needle? So am I promoting teamwork? And then finally, they're brave. So here are your three questions for bravery. On a scale of 1 to 10, how brave am I in the face of fear in my work? What can I do to move that needle? Are you finding yourself avoiding certain tasks or, or procrastinating because of some, some kind of fear? Fear of failure, fear of I haven't done this task before, fear of rejection, whatever it may be. Um, and I will tell you that fear is something that leeches over. I have done something recently in my personal life that has caused me to be much braver. And that bravery I am seeing manifesting some really great things in my business. So um, it's it's been very interesting because my co- my concentration on my personal life and this issue that I wanted to deal with has really helped my business. All right, next, on a scale of 1 to 10, how good am I at strategic planning? And what can I do to move that needle? So am I good at strategic planning? Is that an area that I would want to work on? How can I move that needle? And then finally, on a scale of one to 10, how well do I perform in complexity and ambiguity? What can I do to move that needle? So my suggestion, because that's 12, no, sorry. Yeah, 12 questions (laughs) there that I've, I've asked you to ask yourself. So my suggestion would be that you pick one question from each of the areas. So one under, they have their house in order. One, they treat others with respect. They One under, they create a positive working environment. One, they're brave. And one that you think either A, has the most room for improvement for you, so you really want to move that needle pretty far. It could be one that you think is so important to your career goals that maybe it's, maybe it's one of the ones you scored the best on, but you want to score even better Um, Or it could be for some other reason, but just pick one out of each category and say, okay, I am determined to move the needle in the next 90 days. And here's my plan for how that's going to happen. And finally, I want to talk about leadership style in the context of your industry. So several of these questions kind of assume that you're already leading others. So if you don't, you may have to think, if you don't lead people now, you may have to think about a time when you did lead others. So here are five questions, nope, sorry, seven (laughs) questions to ask yourself related to the specific industry that you work in. So number one, do I relate to my peers in a way that fits for the industry I work in and the personality of my peers? So what could I do differently to improve my ability to communicate better with them, support them more effectively, and engage in more collaborative efforts. So that one's really about how am i relating to these people? Does it does my personality type and my communication preferences mesh with my peers? Number 2, are there people i lead that don't seem to respond well to my overall leadership style? So the first thing we want to know if if the, if the answer is is yes, there are people that don't seem to respond to it well, then i want you to ask yourself Are those people a good fit for the job that they're in and for the company? So let's make sure that they're not just a bad, quote-unquote, a bad hire. And if they are a good hire, how can I adjust my style to be more effective to those individuals? Now, I'm not suggesting that you throw the bad hires out or that you don't try to communicate with them. I'm simply saying that you want to recognize the problem for what it is. So number three, am I providing the people I lead with the right type of motivation for them to achieve organizational and departmental goals? Have I asked them what motivates them? Have I figured out how they like to be rewarded and recognized and how can I do better in this regard? I remember when I first went to to Truman State University and I had individual meetings with every one of the staff members in my office, one of the things I wanted to find out from them was how do you like to be rewarded? And I remember the secretary in particular, she loved ice cream. And so we would plan ice cream socials when we wanted to reward not just her, but um, we had a lot of students. We had over 30 students who worked in our office. So maybe we were doing something to thank the student workers, or maybe it was somebody's birthday or something. And Julie liked planning those, um, and she liked Um, Of course, she liked participating in them because she loved ice cream. But that was such a simple thing for us to do. But if I hadn't asked her that, I would have never known that the secret to her happiness was ice cream. Next one What does creativity and innovation look like in my industry and in my company? And what am I doing to foster creativity and innovation on my team? And is it working? How can I do better? So what does creativity and innovation look like? That's such an interesting question. You know, creativity is simply the act of creation. It is the thing, right? The, op- the, op- the um, opposite of creativity is consumption, right? You're just, you're, you're, you're taking stuff in, but you're not generating. You're not making something new. Um, I heard creativity, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy this definition, but I heard it recently put as kind of taking two things that exist and combining them in a new and fresh way. All right. So that's number four. Number five, what team building activities have I engaged in with my team and have they been effective? How do I know? What is one activity I could plan in the next 90 days that would move that needle? So what kind of team building activities? What's going on with my team specifically that I need to build team around? Is it communication? Is it conflict? Is it, you know, knowing, just knowing each other, what is it we can, and what can we do about that? Number six, What is my strategic planning style and is it appropriate for my industry and company? What could I do different in this regard? So the same thing I would say with these questions like I did with the previous ones is I don't expect you to move the needle on all of these in 90 days, but maybe pick one or two and say those are the ones I want to hone in on. That's where I think I have room for improvement in terms of my leadership style. And then finally, am I providing the kind of feedback that actually helps my team improve. Am I speaking it? Am I doing it in a, in, the t- in a timely way? Am I doing it using, you know, the words that they understand? Am I catching them when I see them doing good or seeing them doing something that needs to be improved? Or am I waiting for, you know, an annual performance review when this is a distant memory in both of our heads? So in summary, there's several common traits of superior leaders, but as I said earlier, how those traits manifest themselves can vary widely. So I don't want you to try to be someone else. I just want you to have a goal to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So I hope that this has given you some food for thought around your leadership style and an area or two that you've identified to say, hey, I want to set some 90-day goals around these things because I want to be better as a leader. I want to be attitudinally leader so that if I'm not already a positional leader I will be considered for a position in a leadership role I hope this has been helpful I hope you have a fantastic week remember rate review and subscribe this podcast I have a feeling 2019 is going to be crazy exciting for this podcast so I'm so appreciative that you're you've been here I hope that uh, you're getting great content out of this so tell your friends and rate review and subscribe have a fantastic week I'll see you next time